0: What is Snooze Flip? Snooze Flip is one of the most universal mattresses on the planet. You can customize your sleep experience to fit your needs. One side is soft, one side is firm, and you can flip it to the side that fits your body best. The cover is also reversible, with one side up to five degrees cooler and cozy warm on the other side. This zippable cover makes the Snooze Flip a true four-in-one mattress. Don't stress through shopping hundreds of beds online. Snooze Flip has all the features in one and Snooze will ship it straight to your door. The mattress expands faster than most. You can be sleeping on your new mattress on the same day as delivery. There's a YouTube video of us unpacking Ali and RK's mattress in the bar. Check it out. When you are a part of Snooze Sleep, you are a part of a community, just like the DNVR community. No exaggeration, a community of go-getters, hustlers, athletes, entrepreneurs, the people who need to energize their bodies so they can wake up feeling amazing the next day and conquer their biggest dreams and goals. Finally, Snooze Sleep is locally based. We know how much you love supporting our local partners. The thing is, Snooze is made by Colorado, designed for the world. You can all take advantage of a new Snooze Flip mattress that gets delivered straight to your door and Snooze Sleep is hooking you up. Use the code DNVR and receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off with an adjustable base. That's $500 worth of savings on a queen mattress with an adjustable base. The dual split king savings are up to $1,000 with an adjustable base. $1,000. Guys, head to SnoozeSleep.com and grab your Snooze Flip mattress today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We've got the whole crew here. Dre is here. Hank is here. Jake is here. And we've got a ton to talk about because we've got significant movement in the college football playoff rankings. We've had a lot of really interesting QB matchups to dive into. There's a lot of betting stuff. Who's going to be running back one? Heisman favorites it's all wide open right now. And it's a lot of fun to dive into guys. I'm pumped for this weekend. Uh, Alabama's playing New Mexico state. So not really pumped about that one, but uh, I am pumped about a lot of these games. It's going to be a fun one. How's everybody doing? Fan.
1: Fantastic.
0: Can't not wait all to do this
1: pod all together, guys. Um, this is extraordinary. The college football season's upon us. Stuff really doesn't matter until November. And, uh, it's Getting great. We've also had some, you know, QB matchups that people are maybe overrating. That's always fun. Um, and the, the Broncos maybe are decent, maybe they're good, maybe they have the best quarterback in the AFC West. Some are saying, um, what a world we live in. Things change rapidly in football, then it's why you got to stay tuned to the draft pod every week to, to stay on top of it all. Is anyone good in
0: the AFC? Like, are they at can we actually trust any of these teams? I think there's talent. But I don't know if I, I mean, Tennessee, maybe they seem to show up for the big games, but then they drop a couple of winnable ones. I mean, Baltimore is now lost to a couple of really weird teams. You can't trust the chiefs. Can't trust the chargers. Maybe, maybe the Broncos are good. I don't know. Rely yeah. On the
2: defense. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, are the bills the favorite at this point? I think they're I, still
0: the betting favorite.
2: Yeah, I bet they are. I think. I think you look at them; they'll be good. You have the Ravens. See, my thing is like any of these teams could beat whoever comes out of the NFC. I just like the Ravens. I don't think they're going to be able to win four games in a row. Like the Bills, maybe, but it just feels like all of them. It's going to be chaos in the playoffs this year.
3: Yeah, yeah, it really seems is. like a year for a wild card Super Bowl team out of the AFC. Can That's kind of what I tweeted
0: last night. It's going to be a 10 and 7 team that ends up representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Maybe it's the Broncos. I don't know. Don't want to get carried away, well, but they are on a winning streak and they did just beat down America's team. I don't know if you can really call them America's team after that performance, but that was fun to watch. You guys want to talk about QBs first? Yeah, let's
1: do it. Everyone's overrating these games. We need to get into it. <laughs>
0: All right, let's 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 start first and, and kind of go back to last week with that Ole Miss-Liberty matchup. Matt Corral versus Malik Willis. I mean, it was kind of what you expected, right? Like Ole Miss pulled away in the end. Not really that impressed by either one of the guys and the and half that I saw on this game. Where are you guys at with Malik Willis and Matt Corral at this point of the season? I still just think that there's like six of these quarterbacks that
2: could go in any order. I mean, Malik Willis, he was constantly under pressure like you'd expect when you're Liberty's quarterback going against an SEC team. But I don't know. He made a couple plays, especially in like the fourth quarter. He he gave him a chance, but they couldn't convert. They almost made a one-score game there. But I don't know. I mean, there's just... You like the athleticism. You really like the athleticism. And then with Matt Corral... It's like he he doesn't really have a big arm. You wonder if that's just gonna limit him. Occasionally he'll be able to like crow step into a pass and almost like rocket one uh, into a tight window, but he just needs space to get into that. Like he doesn't have that easy, you know. Kenny Pickett can just drop a ball 70 yards and it looks so simple. Matt Corral needs to wind up, and you know, there's other stuff to like about his game, like he moves well, he can make guys miss. Like if you're in the fourth quarter and you need a drive, he's somebody who's going to make things happen. And I think you got to give him credit for that. But I don't know. There's there's just a lot of flaws in this quarterbacks class.
3: Yeah, a lot of inconsistencies, uh, especially with Malik Willis. You mentioned it, Henry. Uh, you love the athleticism. Um, he made some plays on the ground. I'm assuming some of these are sacks, but he had 27 carries for 71 yards, uh, 2.6 yeah. yards per carry, which is kind of shocking for a quarterback. And then he throws the three interceptions. Um, As you mentioned, Matt Corral, too, just doesn't really seem to have that big pop to him that he had at times last year. Um, He's kind of settled down a little bit. If you're taking any of these guys in the first round, man, you better have a hell of a scouting department because you're going to have to dig deep to really tell the differences this year, I think. Yeah, I don't
1: know. I think we need to put some context on, obviously, scoring 27 points for Matt Corral with Ole Miss against Liberty means nothing. That's not a tape. We're going to go back to rewatch. It is useless Mm -hmm. to us um, in the evaluation process. Malik Willis against Ole Miss, obviously an uphill battle, but a lot that you can get out of that. Um, And I thought he showed a lot of skills that did translate. I think if anything else, it's a, a decent showing. I mean, the guy can break tackles at the SEC level. He showed that time and time again. Um, That he is a a runner who can, you know, be elusive and run away from SEC defenders that Ole Miss front seven has a couple like legit um, NFL guys, including the edge James Williams, who's got 10 and a half sacks in the SEC this year. Um, And then, I mean, at the start of the game, he shows at least the willingness to stand back in the pocket, rifle a couple of throws. He made a sidearm where he's half falling third and five throw that's otherworldly. And But there are some concerns with, you know, he's got to anticipate things a little more. Uh, he can take on a little too much of the load, which frankly you could say about Kenny Pickett as well. Um, and he's going to have to find that balance. And I think the more we watch Malik Willis, while you got to like a lot of what you see, does he have the placement um, that like a Dak had coming out? I don't know. He I, I keep coming back to that Jalen Hurts comp. Uh, so and yeah, Hertz was a, a second rounder, and I think we're looking at a lot of second rounders. And Pickett kind of showed you the full gamut, because if you watch the first two quarters, you're thinking, "Oh my God, this this guy's like Baker Mayfield reincarnated." Then pressure starts to get to him, and I just think you know his tools just only tick up so much. Um. And he's still figuring out that balance. So while poise and decision-making are his best attributes, he sometimes acts like he thinks his arm is stronger than it actually is or that he's more athletic than he actually is. And he's taken some licks this year. My biggest concern is his body and the ability to hold up with that mentality. Um, But there's some intrigue there. And uh, Corral, like we'll see. Corral, uh, I think his stock is maybe peaking a bit for a lot of people, but that's just kind of recency bias and based on like nothing thus far. But give me your QB rankings right now, Dre. At least from a value proposition standpoint, I think Brandon Armstrong, the Virginia QB who I talked about last week and Malik Willis are basically neck and neck. Um, I think Pickett is right there on their ass as well. And then I think there's a bit of a drop off, and you start to get into Ritter and the rest of the guys.
2: Hmm. I have
0: or Henrico. Yeah,
2: yeah. I had uh, Carson Strong just edging out Kenny Pickett at the top. That's that's where I'm at. I think you know Malik Willis. There's obviously a lot to like, but he just feels like so much of a gamble with that whole background, with the struggles he's had against some of the bad teams. Like he did look good at points in that game, but. Like, that first half, he was not in it. And again, a lot of it's just because of the pressure and all that. I just... I don't know. All these guys just feel like there's a lot of bust potential. And he, to me, has more than those other two. So, that's why he goes in third. Um, Fourth, though. I don't know. I mean, maybe Maybe that is Corral. there. Yeah. Like, Sam Howell is... Strong's right up there, too. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Sam Howell is... Like he he does what he does. Like you I just knew, I mean, I told you guys before that, like North Carolina goes down 14 0. It's five to one odds. Just throw the money on North Carolina because Sam Howell's that kind of guy where he's gonna struggle or whatever, and he's gonna make a couple plays and things are gonna work out. And it happened last night. You know, the Baker, Baker Mayfield comp, that's him. I, I think Matt Corral has some of that too, where it's like these are gamers who maybe don't have all the tools of these other guys, but Sometimes good things, and I don't know what to do with that guy. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm confident in my top three. After that is where I think it's just a mess.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I'd probably have Kenny Pickett at one at this point. I think he's been the most consistent thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I'd say Malik no, Willis, just sure. because I think he's got. Again, we talk about it every time the the plus trait, his athleticism, ability to run the ball. I think that kind of puts him a bit higher. Um, At this point, especially since there's just such Mm -hmm. chaos throughout. Um, And then just watching some of that uh, pit at UNC game, Sam Howell made some really nice throws. Him and Kenny Pickett really hitting guys in stride. Um, So yeah, those Baker Mayfield comps coming through pretty strong for both. Um, And then again, Carson Strong, he's just pretty much carrying the Wildcats on his back. Um, You know, haven't seen as much as I'd like to see still from Desmond Ritter. Um, So that's probably about where I'd lie right now.
0: I got strong one, Malik Willis, two, Kenny Pickett, three, Brennan Armstrong, four, but I'm, I'm starting to lean Armstrong three over. I just like his arm strength, and, and I've really enjoyed watching him since Dre brought him up a couple of weeks ago. And then I'd put Howell, five. I like his resume over the last couple of years more than I feel comfortable with Matt Corral. I thought he played pretty good in the fourth quarter. Obviously had a couple of throws that were risky that worked out for him. But I really liked that he had some strong runs. I mean, I think he's deceptively yeah. pretty tough to bring down in the open field. And I think he's a guy where if you put him in the right system at the next level, you could take advantage of his skill set, which is basically being able to kind of run around and take shots down the field. There is a recipe for success with a guy with those traits. It's just going to be system dependent. And I think that's really the case with a lot of these guys. If you try and put Carson Strong, you know, under center consistently. I don't know if it's going to work out that well. Like he feels like a guy that they're going to have to kind of spread it out and kind of let him rip. Now, obviously sometimes that doesn't work at the NFL level. We shall see. I feel kind of similarly about Pickett, but I think he's maybe a little bit more versatile in that way. Like I think he could be effective in play action and he's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he can move around a little bit. I like a lot of these quarterbacks. I'm not in love with anyone, but I think Malik Willis's traits are probably the most appealing. And I think Carson Strong's the most fun to watch.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, as much as we talk about like Malik Willis's traits ticking up, like you see a lot of those traits in Sam Howell. And we saw that in the second half yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like, dude can run, he's got a cannon for an arm. But man, I've just watched too much Broncos football to sit well with that first half because that to me looks like a guy like, Narduzzi is sending seven to eight guys every single play. Cause he's saying Sam Howell is so stupid. He's not going to get the ball out in time to punish me for bringing all this pressure that happened for two straight quarters. Then obviously they sat him down, had to have the conversation. They're getting the ball out a little quicker. They're starting to go to some QB runs so they could punish him a little more for bringing pressure. And then things opened up with the passing game, but man, I, the real issue is someone who can't read the fact we're bringing the house and just throw that damn check down. Uh, it, it's a pet peeve of mine. You know, we're not going to move the sticks much if you
0: can't figure that out. It's pretty. Well, basic that's kind of stuff. what teams have done to him really for the last year mm-hmm. and a half. It's mm-hmm. we're just going to blitz you and see if you can make good decisions. And yeah. for the most part, they haven't. He hasn't really dealt with it very well. I mean, he's had his moments, but he's one of those guys where you know they were like, could he be the number one overall pick at one point? And so if yeah. we're talking about draft stock. His is probably tanked the most over the last year and a half out of all these top guys. I mean, there's still interest in him, but he's Short not gonna rather, be the number one pick rather. Yeah. But, um, Oh yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. It's also, worth because we,
2: we haven't said this yet, but George Payton was at both of these games. So, I mean, you there know, you it doesn't mean that this is his entire evaluation. That'd be really stupid. But it is the one time that he sees them in person. And that usually just seems more of like getting down on the field before the game. And like, what do they look like down there? How do they interact with people? But there is something to the fact that he was at these two games.
3: Yeah. On Sam Howell, the one big concern I had really from last year coming into this year was just um, the tendency to just like lob it up and throw those YOLO balls, man. And you really saw that again last night. Um, it's going to make the Sports Center highlights. You're going to see it, I'm sure. Uh, the throw where he's near the red zone. I think it's inside the 10. And he drifts back like 10, 15 yards. Just lobs a ball up inside. Like, it doesn't even get to the end zone. I, don't, I mean, what is that? Um, and, and it's completed, but yeah. Wasn't
2: it like a, basically a third and 11? And yeah. so then it wound up being fourth and two. Or fourth and goal, but from the two. It's like, that. it's not even... <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I guess you gave your coach the option to go for it instead of kicking the field goal to send it to overtime. But the the, low reward, crazy high risk play The I mean, it's like a young Josh Allen. That's what that looks like.
1: 100%. Only you can't totally warrant the Josh Allen stuff. And we're starting to see it with Mahomes who's like the one guy who could break all the rules and could get away with those throws. Guess what? That's catching up to him too. Um, Another thing I'll say about this quarterback class, I don't know that any of these guys have great wide receivers. You see sure. that time and time and time again.
0: Um, Carson Strong probably has the best group at Nevada. Yeah, for real. Romeo Dubs and Cole Turner at tight end. I mean, they're, they're studs, but outside of them, you're right. All these guys are working with pretty meh talent in their receiving cores. And just as I rethink some of my evaluations through the years,
1: let's say Tua, who is playing with four first round wideouts. Um it helps. Yeah, and just also to consider as we get excited for 2023 and CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, let's put that into context as well because those guys are also playing with at least a first round wide receiver apiece. I I mean, Stroud too, bonafide and then had a true sophomore go off for 200 plus yards. On top of all that, um, not to mention a star freshman running back. So, like, (laughs) put it all in context because there are times where it's like, man, dude, how can not get that out earlier? Or, like, Pickett's really going to think that he can just hold on to the ball and try to scramble out of this, and he's going to get sacked instead of getting it out. But truth is, these guys don't have Olave and all these other dudes running free to get it out to. They need to kind of manufacture yards and get these guys open on their own. So that's, and that's, especially that was Josh Allen and in Willis. a nutshell at Wyoming. Yes, 100%. I mean, hundred percent everyone well, knows like,
0: Holmes. he throws you Yeah. Good point. Texas tech, like these dudes, they relied on their arm strength, but if you want his best receiver at Wyoming was Tanner Gentry, a dude like, you know, a borderline practice squad dude in the NFL, just to give you some perspective.
3: Yeah. I think looking at it now, I mean, really the quarterback, I think who had has the best receiving core, I guess had, uh, would be Keaton Slovis or whoever was starting at USC, man. And yeah. I mean, obviously they've had some turbulence at that position. So, you
2: no, know, it's a mess. I still think if I'm George Payton, my plan is in the first round, I'm just going to take the best player on the board. Second round, maybe there's three of these guys gone, but that means you get your pick of like, what, four others who I still think are pretty interchangeable. I do think Carson he, Strong is my number one right now. And honestly, it's mostly because everybody else has struggled so much. But am I crazy for thinking that he's kind of Justin Herberty? Yes. Really? He's not missing so the
1: second half of the equation.
2: Just which the leg. He's I, not as
1: athletic. Yeah, yeah, the otherworldly athletic. I mean, Justin Herbert could be a tight end in this league. He moves that well and has that kind of size. Um, the way they, they stretch, their stretch the field, outs.
0: I would say, like their balls look kind of similar. They They're, do. Their, but... Yeah, Use just golf hmm. with a better arm. And Goff's got a gun, man.
3: Goff's yeah. got an
1: underrated arm,
3: man. People got sleep on <laughs>
1: like we're talking about the former like number 1 pocket passing recruit in the country who started for like 4 years at Cal, 4000 yards every time, first overall pick, goes to the Super Bowl in the McVay offense. Like his ability to stretch the field was never the concern. So that he can't handle pressure. He needs McVay to tell him what to do pre snap, post snap. Like, it's not just, it's just not there beyond. But the, and then, yeah, he's not the most athletic,
0: right? But the arm is there. It's, he could, he can throw it's it. It's a, a fair run. comparison, I guess. I'm, I'm probably being a little too critical of him. I think he and Derek Carr are probably in the conversation for most underrated quarterbacks in the league these last couple of years, just in terms of, Fan base is not being able to appreciate what they have and not knowing like how bad it is out there for, you know, teams like the Broncos. Um, let's let's talk about draft risers though, because there were some people that really helped their draft stock. You know, we we weren't exactly raving about any of these quarterbacks the last couple of weeks, but there are some dudes, you know, Purdue comes up with a big win, you know, George Carlaftis, like he's a guy that I think people are really stoked about right now. Yeah. Devin Lloyd at Utah, I mean. Dre, Dre was talking about it before we started recording here. That was like Heisman type performance. Obviously, he's not going to be in the Heisman conversation, but we've been really high on him for two years now. Yeah. I think he's probably the best inside linebacker in this class.
1: It's him and Dean, right? Of
0: Georgia. Yeah.
1: Um, Lloyd, though, the more I get into it, the more I get into his background and his tape... Um, you know, so we always knew at like a 220 pound linebacker he could move well. This is a converted wide receiver coming out of high school who's added like 30 pounds since being with the Utes. Um, he's actually played more on the edge than as an off ball linebacker, and he is second only to Will Anderson tackles for a loss this year against Stanford, though nine tackles, five for a loss. He tips one ball at the line as he's creating pressure, drops in coverage, bats another one down where he's so fluid, then at the line, bats another one, just brings it down in the end zone and gets a pick six. Um, that's just some highlights from what this guy did against Stanford, who I remind you, beat Oregon this year. And they blew the doors off of them. The Utes are probably the best three-loss team in the entire country right now. Um, that Oregon... Oregon's probably shitting their pants about that matchup in the (laughs) Pac-12 final because they are looking otherworldly. But Devin Lloyd is as good a linebacking prospect as we've seen in several years. His appeal isn't just in his off-ball skills, but in his pass-rushing and edge skills as well, where he has a ton of experience. Him and Dean, those are guys who are going to be threatening for top 10-ish selections, potentially. We haven't said that since the Devons. And I'm telling you, like outside of Thibodeau, Neil, Hutchinson, we're talking pick like ideal picks for the Broncos in round one. Dean becomes really interesting because now of us, and he's kind of he'd kind of overlap with Browning, right? Both those guys similar profiles. Right. Like shit, do we play him on the edge? Do we play him off ball? They can fit both. Um, he also has this length that's like Darius Leonard e. Devin Lloyd, man, please, please go watch us tape because, uh, you're going to have a blast. Absolutely.
0: Used to the altitude too. I don't know if that's, you know, something you really consider all that much in an NFL draft, but I mean, he's a guy that you're not worrying about him tiring out in the fourth quarter. That dude mm-hmm. plays with the high motor. He's already conditioned to it. I mean that is, that is a benefit. I think.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. Only concern would probably be um, his run fits right now up the middle as an inside guy. Uh, San Diego State did a great job getting pulling guards and stuff on him in space and him not being able to get there. But I mean, the guy's like growing, blossoming in front of our eyes and still figuring this out all out because he's a high school wide receiver who played on the edge, who's now playing off ball. The fact he can do all this stuff and has just been like one of the best defenders in the country is ooh, spectacular this guy's really something special
0: when you like that wide receiver background right like that's that's unique being able to see the field from both sides you know kind of the going back to the sam noyer argument like you want he understood pass coverage better because he played in the secondary yes. you probably understand what receivers are doing if you did that for 4 or 5 years 100% i think it's why you see
1: him be so natural in in coverage as a defender because he's you know he was a wide receiver so even though he's had most of his experience on the edge he's still pretty natural and fluid in reading that it's a uh, unique combination for this kid and then i know lots of buzz about a guy Cameron Thomas in
0: uh in your conference Justin yeah san diego state defensive lineman he's had a sack i think in like five straight games he's one of those dudes that just he completely disrupts what you want to do. You know, you kind of have to plan to double him, and because of his success, it's actually allowing some of these other guys on San Diego State to really come through as well. There, I have a, I had a preseason bet on them to win the Mountain West at like, I remember it's like plus five fifty, plus seven hundred or something. It was an insane value, and I'm really stoked about it. But he's a guy that I think is is quietly getting kind of putting himself in late first round, early second round talk. Maybe that's a little bit high. Maybe it's more like early second round, mid-second round. But his upside is through the roof. He's freakishly strong. I like his hand movement when I watch him. He's one of those dudes that just grabs tackles or grabs guards and throws them around. You can play him on the interior. You can play him on the outside. Love his versatility. And and watch this San Diego State team because they run the hell out of the ball. They actually have a decent passing game for the first time maybe ever. I can't, I can't remember the last time they're... Passing attack. I mean, it's it's not great, but it's not air force level, which is kind of where it's been the last four or five years. They're a fun team.
3: Um, can we talk about David Bell, please? Yes, please. Oh my God, man, he when Rondale was out last year, he kind of popped at times, but man, he's really just coming to his own. He had. Yeah. 11 receptions, 217 yards, one touchdown, just some insane catches too, where the quarterback was just throwing it up for Bell and he was literally just bailing him out. He basically was the reason why this Purdue upset was, I mean, it was kind of like that Ohio State upset a few years ago where it was almost wire to wire. I mean, it was like no question. Um, But David Bell, you said it, Dre. It's a loaded wide receiver class. Who knows where he slots in, but he's going to be a guy.
1: Oh, man. Is he ever? I mean... Other world, and he's now gotten Iowa and Michigan State for 200 plus receiving. He is
0: that Purdue passing game. These defenses can't stop him. He is Iowa's the top rated secondary in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. Just putting that into perspective, they've been locked down.
2: I'll throw uh, Wandale Robinson out there. Uh, Our guy, Kentucky UDFA, hit us up on uh, Twitter, but he is I mean, he, he fits that mold of like the last piece that I think the Broncos could add like that hybrid running back receiver type who can do all sorts of different things. Uh, he was, he was a running back at, uh, what was it? It was Nebraska before changing over to receiver before transferring to Kentucky. And this week he had 13 catches for 166 yards against Tennessee. Um, just quick, tough to bring down. And again, there's so many things that you can do with him. And it, it seems like you're probably going to see Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick leave. Again, the, the, the piece that makes the most sense is kind of this fourth receiver, second or third running back type who you find a way to get touches for, who can do a bunch of different things and stretch the defense different ways. Wandale Robinson, he's, he's, he fits that mold for sure. We haven't talked about him enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He's yeah. been making plays. Yeah, I'm glad you
0: time. threw him out there. Um, yes, one killing. guy I want to throw out is JoJo Dowman, 10%. the... Dowman, the Nebraska linebacker. He's impressive in coverage, had a really good game last week, flying around like nine or 10 tackles. And he had a couple of pass breakups and an interception as well. You know, that's long been an issue for Denver's linebackers and coverage. I think if they could get a Devin Lloyd, if they could get, you know, someone like Dowman later in later and, you know, the third round or something like that, I'd be all about it.
1: Yeah, that's a great one to throw out. I mean, just in general, I'm getting the feeling that in the trenches, we have a ton of risers. We've talked a lot about O-line stuff. Actually, I think the Alabama front seven, and we'll get to talk about Will Anderson a little more in the next segment when we get into some Heisman stuff. Um, but you know, like their their nose tackle is starting to come through. Fidaria Mathis, their other defensive tackle, really doing some stuff. And I mean the Georgia. We might have to dedicate a segment to the georgia front seven every episode at some point because we are rarefied air doesn't almost but i mean might be the greatest defensive tackle rotation of all time i want to ask mace about this but uh wyatt davis jordan uh yeah jordan davis and um <laughs> uh, Devonte Wyatt. sorry and then you have the the kid jalen carter who's going to be a top five pick next year they have their inside linebackers are insane. It's not that just Indobe. they go three deep. Um, Channing Tindall another name. Um, you know their, their defensive end, uh, Tavon Walker's been a god. Nolan Smith is out on the edge. He flashes some real um, bend and stuff. Adam Anderson's dealing with some horrendous stuff right now and is in jail, so he's not even a factor. But it, it, the list just goes on and on. And I think between those defensive tackles, Trayvon Walker, those inside linebackers, you're probably looking at three first-rounders and four top 50 and like six top 100 guys just from the front. We're not even talking about Darian Kennard and Louis Signer, however I pronounce the safety's last name, who are also going to be top 100 picks. Um, it's just ridiculous how good these guys are right now.
0: They have so much talent and obviously we want to be respectful of the situation, but they have so much talent where it's like, you don't even really worry about the loss of Anderson. And that's a dude who has 17 tackles for loss and nine sacks this year. I'm not going to go as far as saying it won't impact their defense, but they're they're just stacked. I don't know how you're going to be able to run the ball against them. And as an Alabama fan, you know, that impending, hopefully matchup in the SEC championship, it worries me.
3: Yeah, we have to be getting to all time talk with this defense. They've only allowed double digit points three times. Those totals were 13, 10, and 13. That's just absurd stuff from this defense.
0: Yeah. Yep. In a modern, you know, so, in modern times where offenses, even in the SEC, are going for 40 a week.
1: Yeah. So you've got those guys. You've got guys like, um, you know, I mean, just listen to that top 10 episode from last week. Um, You've got the other edge rusher at Michigan opposite Aiden Hutchinson who's one of the fastest risers in the entire class. So Jogbo. And again, the O-line's carrying their weight because it's one of the best interior O-line classes we've seen in a while. Lindenbaum, Kenyon Green that um, Hank has talked up. Uh, The list goes on and on. The kid at NC State, Darian Kennard. We've talked up the offensive tackles and the kind of depth we have there. Now you've got You know the kind of talent at the edge, linebacker, defensive tackle. I think it might be one of the best defensive tackle classes we've had in a while, at least interior. You know, we've talked up Demarvin Leal. Um, Hutchinson could almost fit as a three-four end as well. Mm, Iowa State's got that nose tackle, Ayuma Uzurike, who's like six-five, three-twenty, and has seven and a half sacks already. Um,
0: It's it's a fun group. It's a fun group. He's scary to watch. Like if you were a quarterback, seeing him come at you has got to just be terrifying But he just moves like so well. I've been really impressed in some of those big 12 games. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I don't know. State of college football is in a good place. Well, you know what is also in a good place? Our friends DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on either team to score. If they score, you win $100 in free bets. It's really that easy. If you are a current customer, get some skin in the game with the same game parlay, which allows you to combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Every week, DraftKings gives you an opportunity to boost a five-leg college football parlay. I've come one leg short three weeks in a row, and I want to pull my hair out. But that's what makes it fun. It makes you interested in every game across the country. I've already won big a couple times this year, and I just... I can't say enough good things about DraftKings Sportsbook. It's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want. Download the top-rated app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $1 on either team to score, and if they do, you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
2: Also, Green Mountain Dental Group. We've had some of our coworkers go out there. We've had uh, some of our listeners go out there. And nobody's had anything but great things to say. Um, Whether you're getting your wisdom teeth out, whether it's just uh, a simple cleaning, something like that, Green Mountain Dental Group is the place to go. They're only 15 minutes away from downtown Denver and Lakewood. And they're family-owned and they're huge Colorado sports fans. Uh, that's that's why they advertise with us, because they listen to these podcasts, because they're a part of this community. And so we want to show them how much our community can support our partners. Um, the best part is if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Make sure that when you go out there, you uh, tweet at them, tweet at us, let us know what you thought. And uh, again, just show one of our partners how much
0: our community can support them. Pew 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 pew! Shout out to Green Mountain Dental. They truly are the best around. No doubt. Let's get into the running back one conversation because I think it's a little muddied at this point. There's a lot of talent. I think there's a lot of guys that flash. You know, Kenneth Walker, obviously at Michigan State, has really put himself on the map this year. Yeah, I would say he's probably in the Heisman conversation at this point, if not, you know, one of the leaders for it outside of the quarterbacks. So. Where are you guys at with this? I mean, I think we came in really high on Isaiah Spiller. I still love his potential at the next level. You know, Brees 100%. Hall, Bryant Kobach at Toledo. There's a lot of veterans that have produced for a long time now. Um Hank, you go first. You know, who who's your running back one right now?
2: Wow, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I've I've been pretty disappointed by the running backs this season. I think that Kenneth Walker, I mean He's got to be number one, right? He's just been so effective when other guys like Isaiah Spiller hasn't done what we wanted to do at the same time. He's a guy who, I mean, his game plays better at the NFL level because he isn't one of those freak speed guys. Who's just going to take the open space and go get like, he's a big bulky back. He can run guys over. And a lot of what he does is going to translate. So it's going to be tough to surpass him. But, but, and Kenneth Walker is just, He's doing everything, and he's taking a Michigan State right. team that wasn't supposed to be this good and making it really good. Um, you know, Bijan John Robinson's another guy who's fun to watch. Um, fun. I'd throw... He's been insane. Uh, he's not eligible, right?
0: He's I don't next. think so. No, he's no. only a sophomore. Yeah. yeah,
1: so you're looking at some real bad. star power at running back. But it is the first year in a, in a minute where we don't have a clear-cut guy, and it almost reminds me of that Josh Jacobs year, you know? Where it kind of feels like in this last month, someone who could come up and Mm -hmm. have three, four good games and, you know, conference championship and then playoffs or what have you, or even a bowl game and, uh, you know, really elevate their stock. I don't know if that's going to be Brian Robinson, though. Um, The Oregon guys have some chance. Travion Henderson, the freshman out of Ohio State, has some buzz, but obviously doesn't really like fall into this conversation. Um,
0: There's not a lot of explosives like home run hitters in this one. There's a lot of guys that run really hard and are hard to bring down, but I worry about basically all of their ability to pull away from DBs and, you know, like break those long runs. I, Kenneth Walker's a stud. I mean, the dude's a a human joystick and and he's juking everybody all over the field. But you see him get caught from behind quite a bit on runs where I'm like, oh man, that should have been a touchdown. I feel the same way about Brees Hall at Iowa State. Sincere McCormick at UTSA. That dude runs as hard as anybody in the country. He's a freaking refrigerator out there. But his breakaway speed, you just watch it and you're like, NFL linebackers are going to be able to catch this guy before he can get to the edge.
2: Yeah. Another name I'd throw out there, Kyron Williams at Notre Dame. He's he's another one. Who, If you're talking like who could go number one, he could. That's the duality of this class. It's kind of
1: Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, the 20 carries per game, bigger guys who can handle the load. Or do you want Spiller, Kieran Williams to kind of be that 10-year dual threat back for you that can last a while? Pierre Strong, South Dakota State, lots of buzz about that kid who's just had stacking. Impressive season after impressive season. And Devontae Price out of FIU Florida International. He's a 215-pound back who moves like a guy who's 195. Very impressive. I have
0: concerns about his vision. though. South Dakota State's it. pretty good. I got a front-row seat to their running game. a, a
3: Spiller. Yeah. Uh, he's been a guy, I think it was Justin that said it, his game does suit the pros a lot more,
0: mm-hmm.
3: more so. Um, and I don't know if it's just cause he's wearing that maroon 28 Jersey, but man, sometimes when he's able to like laterally jump cut and show off his strength, breaking tackles, it's almost reminiscent of Adrian Peterson, not comparing that. I'm just saying that sometimes man, he is just a grown man out there. Um, but there's so much value in the late rounds with these guys, um yeah. just looking at the draft network list this is, these are guys ranked 200 and higher uh Tyler Goodson in Iowa yep. James Cook out of Georgia uh Hassan Haskins at Michigan Ty Chandler from North Carolina last weekend he had a 200 yard game um Mo Ibrahim I know he had the Achilles from Minnesota Yeah um, Mo Ibrahim There's just so, so many guys though
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean I, both those UCLA running backs too Yeah and those those could both be top 100 picks for sure um Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown they, I mean, it is just crazy looking at these. I mean, so Charbonnet is fourth in yards in the pack. 12, um, Brown is eighth, um, 5.9 yards per carry, 5.8 yards per carry. Like they've just got two monsters and they play the same style of football. They're just massive guys who can run over just about anybody there. I, I, I don't think they have the pop to be the first one off the board, either of them, but they're, they're going to be up there. Hank, you're going to get or have gotten a decent look at a good amount of these guys. Mohammed Ibrahim yeah. at Minnesota.
1: Rashad White is getting some buzz at ASU. Mm-hmm. Um, and Travis Dye and CJ Verdell at Oregon um, are both kind of on the radar. And you too, man. I mean, uh, South Dakota and Tyler Goodson. So you guys both. Oh, well, and then Hank got to look at Spiller. Pretty spoiled, huh? Uh, not a bad life y'all are living. Um, <laughs> huh. Then Jeremiah might be one of the best fullback prospects we've had in a while at Oklahoma.
0: Good point. And, outside and of Kenneth Walker, do you see any of these running backs in the Heisman conversation? Because we're going to talk about Heisman favorites here in a second.
3: No, I don't think so.
0: I don't think so either. Other names no. to throw out there, Keontae Ingram at
2: USC, Texas transfer. He has been really good. Could Isaiah Spiller be that Josh Jacobs.
1: Um, essentially what you would need is Spiller to carry A&M um, and they've got the matchups for it. You would also kind of need Bama to lose so that A&M could play in the SEC final. That could
0: happen. You still got to go against Auburn.
1: It could happen. Yep. Auburn is that, um, that game out there. And then you'd need Spiller to kind of like make some noise against Georgia, which no running back has shown the ability to do. Outside of that, I don't see much of a chance, right, guys? Or the D- B John, but no, it's probably too late for B
0: John. I think, I don't think it's yeah. going to be a large enough sample size. Yeah. yeah. The,
3: the thing with Spiller, though, is that they're not like, they're not abusing his talent and just running him into the ground already. I mean, he yeah. leads the team in carries at 144. Uh, but Devin Arcane is a guy that gets a lot of work too. Yeah. Um Hank's guy Aeneas Smith. I mean, he's more of a receiver, but he's in the backfield also. Um, so he does in terms of being the next Josh Jacobs, um, Isaiah Spiller does have that going for him where he, he's not going to be as run down. Wasn't necessarily featured um, like Jacobs. And, you know, some may see that as a downside, which would not be smart um, because the guy can play out of his mind, but he's going to be a very fresh back coming into the NFL. And, We already said his skill, his talent set is just going to match the game hand in hand.
1: Maybe Travis Dye has an outside chance. I just don't think people are paying that much attention to Oregon. Like he would really Mm -hmm. need a November for the ages. But I mean, that does bring us to the Heisman conversation. And who are your Heisman favorites? If you were in a state we can't here in Colorado because of the law. Um, If we could bet on the Heisman here, where's the value at right now? I think CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are the two favorites. Mm -hmm. Kenny Pickett has a little buzz. Um, And then the fun conversations are really more the defensive guys. I think stuff with Jordan Davis has slowed down the nose tackle for Georgia. The Georgia defense is just hard because those guys are cannibalizing each other. Maybe N'Kobe Dean can be in that conversation, but, um, I am hearing more. Will Anderson buzz though, the sophomore edge from Alabama, that would be fun.
0: (laughs) It'd be cool. I just, I don't think the defensive guys are going to get enough love. I mean, I, I have an article pulled up here from Vegas insider, and this was as of the 11th, they had Jordan Davis at plus 8,000. So, I mean, it could be fun if you wanted to throw a couple bucks on it and just hope something crazy happens. I mean, if Pitt loses, that's going to put Kenny Pickett out of the conversation. If Alabama loses, that's going to take Bryce Young out of the conversation. I don't think Matt Corral has enough hype. I don't think Ole Miss is going to do enough for, for him to take it. So really, I mean, I really like C.J. Stroud, who, again, this is Vegas Insider. They got it at plus 450. Caleb Williams, maybe, if if Oklahoma can yeah. sneak in. They, they College football playoff doesn't seem to love Oklahoma as much as the AP poll does. There's, you know, drastic difference in their rankings there, but I do think Caleb Williams, if he can get OU into the playoff and continues to play the way that he does and maybe gets a loss from some of these other guys would, would be a strong kind of sleeper pick. I think there's more to the Matt Corral case. Um, I think you do Justin,
2: just because like, I don't know. It's been like a few years in a row where it's been a really, really good team. That's had the Heisman winner, but I feel like that's not the way it usually goes and maybe it's just like switched. And this is the world we live in now, but, but being seven and two and, and being a quarterback who, what he has 2,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, he is, he's right in the thick of it, especially because I don't think any of these guys are going to have like CJ Stroud. Like, I guess they could make the playoff. I don't think they're going to make the playoff though. And I think you're either in or you're out. Maybe if Bryce Young leads Bama to the playoff, that's kind of the tiebreaker. I think there's more to like a Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, maybe even like Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. Um, if if one of those guys just averages like 350 and, and puts up some touchdowns in the next few weeks.
3: So I kind of like Caleb Williams. Um, DraftKings yeah. is showing him at 750. The reason I like him, obviously Oklahoma is Oklahoma, but the remaining schedule for Oklahoma has the potential to really make some noise Um, at Baylor this weekend versus Iowa state the weekend after. And then of course, Bedlam uh, against Oklahoma state to end the season. Those are three huge games. And then I think, doesn't the big 12 have a title game this year too? They do. So he's got plenty of chances to not only get Oklahoma into the playoff, but show that he's one of the, if not the best player in the country.
1: No, I agree. I think I think the kind of showcases that him and C.J. Strout have ahead are really going to give them um, a prime opportunity. Kenneth Walker, probably the favorite now, but I think his stock has peaked. Like I don't think his stock will ever um, go higher than this. I think his Heisman moment was that
0: Michigan game. And that's Unless probably, he just
3: runs over Ohio State.
0: Right. Yeah, that's the right. thing. Is if they can somehow sneak back into the playoffs, right. then he probably would win the Heisman. But totally, I, I don't see it happening. Because right now, you're
1: probably looking at the finalists in New York are Young, Walker, Stroud, and then depending on what happens in this final stretch, maybe Caleb Williams, maybe Kenny Pickett, maybe Matt Corral, maybe Sam Hartman. I doubt Desmond Ritter. I, again, like. That moment passed. He hasn't done enough to like, wow people. Yeah, right. Yeah, he has to, I mean, he, the moment, the second half against Indiana is great. The Notre Dame game's great. And then you need to put up like Cole Brennan numbers the rest of the way. RIP. Um, yeah, I, I I put my money on Caleb Williams as well, though. I, but I think it's wide open. I think it's never been this wide open.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Especially this late in the season. We've yeah, less exactly. than a month of the regular season left, and I think you could make a strong case for about five of the guys we've made, and I think you could really argue adamantly against all of those guys as well. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah,
3: With Caleb Williams, I mean, you, you think that the... You know, Oklahoma. Does that add anything to his case? You think? Hundred
1: percent. I mean, and again, like the moment he comes onto the scene against Texas, he kind of has some Heisman moments right off the bat. Um, it's like Manziel, Trevor Lawrence, Tua-esque of like this guy just hit the ground running and like was. Was having and he did it early enough moments. in the
0: season is the big argument yep. to where yep. he's yep. going to have a large enough sample size. You know, he didn't take over week nine or something like that. He took over a non-conference play, and I think that's going to help him.
1: Exactly right. And, Henry, you don't think Ohio State will make the playoffs? Well, plus 155 for them not to make the playoffs right Ooh. now. Sportsbook. Okay,
2: I'm going to have to get yeah. in on that. We might just have to get in on that on this next segment. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. You're feeling it? Some playoff talk? I
0: playoff? on DraftKings
2: it. odds? Playoffs. Oh, my gosh. This sounds I to amazing. talk about the playoffs?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ow. Oh, my God. Fuck. Oh, it's a bloodbath in here. There's got to be a better way to get my dagger clean and shiny safely than this. This is what I used to deal with when I cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping my dagger slick and ready for wherever the night takes me. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code DNVR. Guys, the fall season is here, the holiday season. Maybe you're trying to get intimate with your significant others. You don't want it to be a jungle down there. You want to keep things nice and fresh. The the below-the-waist grooming leaders have a fourth-generation performance package. In it, you're going to get the lawnmower 4.0. This is the best trimmer on the market. It's waterproof. It's got an LED light. It's nice and light and convenient. You can put it in your travel bag. It also comes with the Weed Whacker for your ears and nose. I hate to admit it. I'm getting old. I I noticed that I'm starting to get nose hairs. You're going to get a couple of liquid formulations and two free gifts. Nobody does it better than Manscaped. They've got uh, the Crop Preserver which is ball deodorant. It's quite lovely. Not even going to lie. It keeps things nice and fresh. They've also got the Reviver. You know, if you're feeling a little gross down there, you don't have time to take a shower, pop some Reviver on. You're going to be good to go. Again, make sure you use the code DNVR at manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free shipping. I, I just cannot recommend them high enough. We just got hooked up with some more body wash and shampoo. It smells nice and earthy. I love it. You'll love it. Go to manscape.com. Use that code DNBR. All right. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into all those bets and, and the playoffs outside of, of uh Georgia and Alabama, who I don't want to say Alabama's a lot, because again, they have to survive yeah. Auburn. I think Georgia could even lose a game and still make it at this point. Where are you guys at with three and four? And, and I mean, we'll get into all of it, but that that's just kind of where my mind went.
1: Can, let's start with one. Will, okay. Can we... Because is Georgia at this point good value at minus 110? Are they such a cut above the rest that this is just one of those years where we kind of know? Because every other team is deeply flawed. And Georgia's far from perfect. Like that passing offense isn't dynamic or anything. It's good enough. It's good this enough. to win the natty? To win the natty, like is are they such a cut above the rest that at minus one
2: ten to win the natty, it's kind of like good value right now. I think so. I mean, in in any game that they play, I'm going to be betting on them. This is basically a, a parlay to you know, you can either take the odds for them to win in the semifinal and then take the odds for them to win in the championship. You'll get better odds if you just hit the minus one ten.
3: I do think in terms of who they, who would give them the biggest fits matching up against them. It probably it'd obviously be Alabama one. Right. But then I'm really, I don't think they'll get there, but I'd be intrigued to see Michigan state try to run on that defense to see if they're, they'd be able to really get Kenneth Walker going again, probably not going to happen because Michigan state would have to go on an unbelievable run here to jump Michigan and Ohio state. Um, But yeah, considering that, I just don't really see any other team really giving them fits. I mean, Ohio State, are we big on them giving them fits?
1: It's kind of a bad matchup.
3: Yeah. Like, I think they'll get
1: enough pass rush on them to nullify the offense and, like, slowly but surely just build and build and build till they can just pin their ears back and kill them. And just run bludgeon them to death on offense with the run game. I think I like what you're saying about Michigan state. I think Michigan and even Iowa and a would give them. Those are kind of the teams that could give them the toughest matchups. Right. And it's no surprise. Clemson's the team that's played them the toughest. This is a horrible Clemson team, but they're a really good defensive team. Um, they can like in a grinded out where maybe Bennett or Daniels don't have the best game and you can kind of stop the run game. All right, maybe we can beat them nine to six, something like that. You know, right. what, how Bama's O-line looked against LSU is deeply concerning to me. Um, to the point that I'm not even so sure Bama's such a lock to make the playoff. Because if Georgia beats them by 14-20... Which I don't think is out of the question. Um, I don't know. It's a two-loss Bama without a conference title, and you just lost by double digits to Georgia.
0: I it's mean, it's going to have to depend on what happens in the Big Ten, right? It's how many losses do Ohio State and Michigan have in that scenario, or Michigan State? Or,
2: I mean, I think Oregon's going to wind up with just the one loss. That, that championship game against Utah will be tough, but getting there. With one loss, will not be tough. So I do think that they're probably in. I, I don't know what are those odds hmm. too. You Check that guess. tremendous value. Uh, Two ninety. Well, yes. They think they'll botch one. Vegas <laughs> okay. is not. That's a, good
0: to know. I'm, I mean, have I'm you seen Anthony Brown play? Yeah, I it's don't trust terrible. Oregon at all. I would, they got to play would, Utah would, twice. Yeah, I would fade them in those matchups with the way that Utah's defense is playing. <laughs> What's interesting about what you said,
1: um, Justin, about. Alabama with two losses, it more comes down to who wins the big 10, but a two win big 10 title winner gets in ahead of a, uh, or, you know, a two loss big 10 title winner gets in ahead of two loss Alabama. And like, oh, yes, for sure. Sure. to me this year, there's no way of excluding a big 10 title. Winner. Huh? Two
2: losses, even three losses. You kind of got to put them in. Even, even with an undefeated Cincinnati right there. See, that's what I think throws a kink in all of this. Yes. I think that if you have Bama with with some more losses, if you have the, I don't know, Ohio State loses. I, I think if it's Ohio State, Ohio State could get in. If Ohio State, what? They still have Michigan State and Michigan. I I don't think that they're going to beat Michigan State and Michigan and, and win the Big Ten title game. But if they can do those first two things and win and get to that title game, then... They probably still are in front of Cincinnati, Michigan State. Though, I'm um, those would be really tough conversations.
0: I surprised since he jumped to five.
3: No, I. They're
2: I, just gonna keep
0: going this, up.
3: Yeah, that's something I said last week. I think that the committee did just enough to keep them in the conversation. But you know, as teams lose, they'll just keep bumping them up. You know, just because they kind of have to at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of into the theory that the big 10 can kind of cannibalize itself Mm -hmm. um, because there's some huge matchups. I think Ohio state, if they were one loss, um, obviously that's a lock, but if you have a two, if Ohio state at two losses is the conference championship winner, and then you have an undefeated Oklahoma and an undefeated Cincinnati, things get really, really interesting there. And a one loss Oregon. Exactly.
2: Or even a one loss Ohio state. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Yeah
1: but then the argument for Ohio State is they won the Big 10 which if you look at the rankings easily the most competitive conference what we in said the about the basketball teams last year too though they took on Oregon mm-hmm. and then
0: they had this monster stretch at the end um also head to head doesn't seem to matter that much to the committee though like we got Michigan over <laughs> so Michigan State weird. despite the results two weeks so ago. Weird. You know, we had Ohio State over Oregon at one point. It's just yeah. like... I, it's don't, I think those
3: those type of things usually come into play, like, when the last rankings are coming out. I think that's, like, the tiebreaker then. Now they're just kind of doing the stupid Who's shit. the hottest, just, like, trying to exactly. keep
0: and, yeah, right. make people like us talk about it for 40 minutes.
3: Yeah,
1: for sure. Um... Okay, well, let's just get into these final predictions then. Uh, Crystal ball time. We all seem to have different, you know, different doomsday scenarios at play. So, how does this unfold? And I can go first if you guys want. Want a second to think this through?
0: Yeah, go first.
1: Georgia won for sure. I'm more and more convinced Bama's got enough flaws. To where Auburn or a big enough loss to Georgia, they're out. I do think Ohio State gets in, and I think Ohio State gets in with two losses. I just think that resonates too strong. I think Oklahoma gets in, but I think Oklahoma gets in with one loss. They're not going undefeated. Um, and in that final spot, <laughs> I think it comes down... To a two-loss Alabama and an undefeated Cincinnati who will have just beat an undefeated or one-loss Houston. And against my better judgment, I'm saying Cincinnati
3: gets in undefeated.
1: Wow. The fourth.
2: Wow.
3: Cincinnati plus 280 to make the playoff. Would not take... <laughs> take <value>. Would not advise <laughs> <laughs> that right now.
1: <laughs> Well, I I just think it's going to get crazy, and I think a lot of these teams are going to have some road bumps from now until final decision day.
3: I think I'm going to go Georgia, Bama, Oklahoma, and then, uh, man, I think I'm just going to do the the chalk thing and take Ohio State.
2: Hank? uh, I'll take Georgia one. And Oklahoma too. Um, I think what again, what the committee said over and over again with Oklahoma is that they just haven't really played anybody. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the these they'll have three of their last four likely against ranked teams after playing. What? I don't even know if they've played one this season. Texas no, might have. Don't, Texas. No, I don't think, so yeah. It's for the AP, but not for the rankings. Yep. And so they're gonna they're gonna fly up as long as they keep winning, and I think they will. So I've got them at number two. Uh I'm gonna go give me Oregon three, Bama four. They're gonna they're gonna put Bama in, even though they lose to Georgia. Two losses. You just, you just can't leave them out. No Big Ten. No Big Ten. Cannibalize each other. Cannibalize. I like that. They're gonna theory. they're gonna look back at basketball. A three loss last
1: conference winner?
2: Where Big Ten was saying. Everybody was saying the Big Ten is the basketball power conference. They're incredible. When it turns out, they just scheduled nobodies and non-conference and then beat each other just up played and each all other. lost that in the first not, round of the that tournament. That is
0: not what happened. You are who you are over the course of a four-month season, so much more so. Than you are in March madness. That's why the all the Pac-12 hype because March because they got hot in the NCAA tournament doesn't mean shit to this year. I'm well, I'm so the, tired of hearing oh, it.
1: Wow. Anti-Pac 12 <laughs> basketball. UCLA
0: is so overrated. I, I cannot wait really? to watch them completely choke this season away. I'm um, I'm going bold. Wow. I'm, I'm I'm gonna be bold with my Let's slander. I'm sick to football here. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love the no big ten take though. That would be that'd be fun. Chaos. Probably we need to be to win, win over
1: House State. Someone's gonna win it with two losses.
0: Yeah,
3: but then, but I mean, you just look at—I mean, especially if Oklahoma and Cincinnati are able to make it to the end undefeated. Two undefeated teams like that with the—I I don't think Cincinnati makes it, but Cincinnati though. no, not that not with all this. Chaos going on, but to the, me, the really
1: interesting scenario in the Big Ten is getting two in, like a one loss Ohio State going up against a two loss Iowa, I guess would have to be the scenario.
3: Yeah, is it'd that have to that? Be like Iowa or Purdue, with or unless whoever I guess finishes technically third in the West for the big 10 okay. would probably have a better ch- chance than the, whoever finishes
1: That's second. What I right. Say. Yeah. The scenario would have to be like Ohio, a one loss, Ohio state taking on a two loss, Iowa, two loss, Iowa winning it, making Ohio state a two losser and then you'd have Bama with two losses and no title Ohio state with two losses and no title Iowa with two losses and a title. These undefeated or one loss teams who haven't played as many people, it would be chaos.
3: And well, I'm yeah, so in, rude. in that scenario, Michigan and Michigan State probably have two losses and they never even get into the title yep, game too. Exactly. So.
1: Exactly. Or Penn State, yeah. Or Penn State already has three. Crazy. Okay.
0: Georgia one. Oklahoma two. Bama three. Ah oh, God, I don't know. Uh, Cincinnati for just let's go wishful thinking.
3: Wow, love
0: it! It's gonna be wide
1: open. Um, we've got some good ones coming up this week. Obviously, kind of the highlight was yesterday, and we were able to talk about that with Sam Howell taking on Kenny Pickett, but um, other really good matchups like Michigan at Penn State. Uh Michigan's slight favorites, but um John Dodson, uh Smith, the linebacker at Penn State. They've got some real talent on the line, and then all of Michigan's defense is a must-watch for draft knicks out there. Um who you got, fellas?
3: Taking Michigan minus one. <sighs> That's so tough. Um
1: yeah, I'll do the same.
0: Wolverines, baby.
1: Oh, you guys are killing me. I'll take Penn State at home then. Uh-oh.
2: Just to be different. not a whiteout, not a whiteout. Why Crazy. would it ever not be a whiteout? Yeah, truly. I thought every I, game was a whiteout.
3: How's that? I think even they only. Well, I guess what makes it a whiteout is a night game, and then they have to like set it all uh, up as a whiteout, and they already had it. I think when they played uh, the Auburn. Yeah. Or Ohio, they play yeah, Ohio State. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or did they play Ohio State? Yeah, they did last yeah, weekend, right?
1: Yeah. Um. Okay, Oklahoma at Baylor. There's some talent, NFL talent here. Um, I'll actually be interested to watch this Oklahoma defense against Baylor, and you know, What's obviously we're on that one? tied into Caleb Williams. Um, five and a half. Five and
0: a half. Yeah. I like OU to cover. Maybe late. I think it'll be a pretty good game, but Oklahoma kind of pulls away in the fourth quarter.
3: I've already been burnt on Baylor multiple times this year. I'm going to take them just because of that.
2: I went the other way. I'm saying no. I'm Mm. I'm going Oklahoma. (sighs) Honestly,
1: I have a terrible read on both these teams, so I'll just go Sooners and whatever. I'll probably get burnt by it, but. No biggie. Um, Mississippi State, Auburn, the Pirate, taking on Bo Nix. Uh, kind of a big game for Auburn. You get to watch Charles Cross in this one, the stud offensive tackle. Um, is it Roger McGarry, the uh, corner? The Curry, for I think Curry, yeah. Um, Anyways, one of the leaders in pass deflections, very physical corner. We've mentioned him before. So at least that'll be a fun one. And we've got Auburn as a five and a half point favorite at home in this one.
0: I like Auburn. I hate trying to trust Bo Nix, but I, I think we've seen peak Mississippi State at this point.
3: That's exactly why I'm taking Mississippi State.
2: <laughs> I I hate betting on Mississippi State. I just I just don't I bet on either on side of these games. <laughs> oh yeah. I, if I'm gonna bet, I'm gonna buy or sell points though. I know that. Like, if I'm gonna take Mississippi State, I'm gonna take them to win by 15. And if I'm gonna take Auburn, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna move that down and say they're gonna win by a bunch because it just either it's gonna work or it doesn't. Um, give me Auburn. I'll take Auburn in this one. Yeah, I'm already invested in
1: Auburn, but I hate it. I do think maybe a a uh, counterintuitive under might be a fun play in this one. Mm. Uh,
0: like
1: how about A&M against Ole Miss? As far as pro talents, we have a ton in this one. Um, and honestly, this is a huge, huge game for Matt Corral. Matt Corral plays well against this A&M defense. We could easily be talking about him as like, is it set and forget Matt Corral QB1 after
0: this Saturday?
1: Right. Um,
0: Ole Miss, and, a home dog though,
1: rightfully so to me. To me, A and M might be like a, a couple
3: notches above. I, I'm heavy in on A and M.
1: one.
0: I like um, AM as well.
3: Yeah, I want to take Ole Miss, but I think I'm going to take A and think Calzada is healthy enough now that they can cover this two and a half.
2: Yeah, <sighs> I'll take Ole Miss. All One right. of these quarterbacks needs to be good. One of them needs to be good. good. And I'm i I'm, both, I'm betting with my heart here. I hate it.
1: You feel like a guy who'd ride the lane train. Um, speaking of trains, Boilermakers, baby 19th taken on Ohio state. And if they are not shaking in their boots, I don't know what's going on yet. Vegas says 21 point favorites at the shoe for the Buckeyes. Seems too easy. I get flashbacks of the Arkansas Georgia, so I'm taking Ohio State just because I I can't take that kind of cheese on Purdue. Sorry guys. Yeah, I, I think Ohio the State
0: covers easily. I think we're starting to wow. see them hit peak stride, and I I realized that I didn't have a Big Ten team in my college football playoff, which is not how I feel, but. um yeah, I like Ohio State to cover. And I, I do think Purdue can hang around for a while. I just think eventually Ohio State's going to wear them down. You break a couple of long touchdowns, and they go from being up 10 to all of a sudden being up 24, and, and they just kind of pull away in the in the fourth quarter.
3: Yeah. I think the move here is to sprinkle that plus 800 money line a little bit and then take Ohio State against the spread.
2: I like that. I like it. I, I do like that. Because Purdue, I mean, what? They beat Michigan State. That's... Why not? Why can't and Iowa? Yeah, yeah, but I don't, I, I've got to take Ohio State in this one. They're they're going to lose, but it's going to be Michigan State or Michigan. It's not going to be this one. I'm just hyped for all the prospects. Uh, Karloftis
1: and uh, David Bell, going to be great. Well,
0: that's, that's got to be how they win, right? It's got to be Karloftis just killing the quarterback, yeah. and then you're able to break a couple of big plays on offense. You know, you probably need like a, a pick six or a fumble recovery, you know, just mm-hmm. big momentum plays.
3: I think, I mean, Ohio State's been vulnerable, most so on the ground. I just don't know if Purdue really has the ground attack to really take advantage of that.
1: And they'll have to stuff the ground. I mean, much like Alabama, as absurd as it seems, Ohio State's O-line just ain't it this year. And that's been the same with Oklahoma, frankly. Um, So it's these blue blood programs that don't have blue blood O-line units, and it's really biting them. Um, And that's where this game might be leveled out a little bit. Um, and then it's it a uh, it's top 25 versus top 25, so we'll close this out with NC State against Wake Forest. Um, and the highlight here is watching NC State's uh, left tackle, who's been just
2: outstanding this year.
0: I like Wake Forest to fall.
1: Mm-hmm. Again, two losses in a row at home. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. Yeah,
2: I've got the I bounce the back. ACC. Do you? Sam Harvin's good. Sam is gonna, gonna make some plays. And if not, then maybe there was like he, he moved up. He, he turned into like a quarterback that you consider, and then he dropped right back off. This is gonna be a bounce back. Again, I need these quarterbacks to be good. And so I'm betting <laughs> on
0: them.
3: Wildcats, baby.
0: I got a couple of Mountain West upsets just before we go. Late night, Saturday night. You can get Nevada plus 130 at San Diego State. I really like Nevada's potential to outscore San Diego State in this one. You can also get Utah State at plus 165 road underdogs at San Jose State. San Jose State does have Nick Starkle back, but Vegas has given them too much credit after basically one good performance in what's been a really mediocre year. I love both of those so much, so I'm even... I'll probably bet him individually, and I might even do another bet where I parlay him because I feel pretty confident about those outcomes. Just uh, something to consider for late-night college football fans.
1: Well, the Nevada game is a must-watch. This is a huge test for uh, Strong and um, that offense, and you also get to watch Cameron Thomas and how he plays in that three-man front for San Diego State. But this is, a—I mean, it's going to be about as important a matchup for Carson Strong as he's going to have all season. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this is a chance for him to kind of cement himself in at least the top three conversation, kind of put himself above some of those, you know, Desmond Ritters and just kind of the fringe prospects.
3: Inky you taking the Buffs' money line this weekend?
2: Oh, yeah. I'm all over it. Actually, I I made a little parlay on Monday. It was the Titans' money line with the Buffs' money line just because, I don't know. Derrick Henry's really good, but he's a running back and the line moved too much. So I was like, I took that, obviously that hit. So that, that was like, let me do the math real quick. Plus 2000, about plus 2000. So that's what I'm riding into this.